Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Corey McCarthy, and I'm so happy to be here. To, uh, we are we're here to celebrate um, Black authors, and we're so happy to be joined by Miss Niall Judy, and she, she's going to talk about her book, um, which I, I, I always talk straight. I did not read it, and I'm, I can't wait to read it, but... Miss Miss Judy will love to know that I will purchase her book. Um, so she she doesn't even have to care if I if I read it, but she she's getting my money. So that's all that's all that matters right now. Uh, I I'm going to introduce some of our some of our um, our every high school UIB adults. I'll start with Miss um, Miss Williams Lewis. Hi everyone. Um, good morning. Good afternoon. Whenever you're watching this, I'm happy to be here. I gotta plug myself in because um, Niall's my best friend, um, and I'm so. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys remember when I said that I'm loyal and I only have two friends. That is Niall. Niall is one of those two friends that I have. I'm happy for her. I'm so proud of her, and I'm happy that she decided to um, publish her book because I know the backstory behind it. <laughs> I, I hope your second best friend is not an alternate personality. Go ahead, Miss Walls. <laughs> 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 that was funny. Um, hi, everyone. Um, thank you guys all for tuning in with us today. Um, I'm really excited to hear about like the story behind the writing of your book. Um, I'm very happy that you were here with us. Thank you, Miss Williams Lewis, for plugging us with her. Um, and I'm really excited, me, excited for you to share your um story today. So I look forward to it. Thank you. And we got Miss Wilkie in the house. Always good to see Miss Wilkie. She's like, you know, she's just one of them people that you know, that you, like, you always need to see. You need her vibe everywhere. Go ahead, Ms. Wilkie. Oh, I'm a health and wellness teacher, and I talk to my students a lot about expressing feelings, and uh, I just love all these just events love all that EYB has been doing, so, so thank you. Jones? Jones? Um, I am also a health teacher here. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come tell us your story and share your, um, your book and, ex and your experiences. And I am also excited to read it as well, but I also have not had the chance to read it yet, but I am excited to read it. Um, so thank you. Okay. Thank you. And yeah, we have some students on board and some more, some more will be joining us soon. Um, so, Ms. Judy, I'm about to get all in your business. So, um, my first question is, talk about you, get on your soapbox, tell us about you, yourself, uh, what has brought you to the book, and then we'll get into the book. And Ms. Williams is so happy for you. She can't even stop smiling. Ms. Williams, <laughs> can you chill out? <laughs> I know. I'm mean, sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. This is Black Girl Magic. First and foremost, I just have to express gratitude for you all doing this for your students, um, to hear that their wellness advocates in the space is amazing. Um, my name is Nayel, as we mentioned. I'm a Boston resident, uh, Haitian American descent. I've been here my whole entire life. Um, I grew up in Austin Brighton in the projects, in the family street projects um, of a single parent home. And my mother is a warrior. She, Sophie will tell you, she is the, the strongest, most expressive <laughs> person you have ever met. Um, and that kind of cultivated this little activist and advocate in me from pretty young. So when I reflect on my journey, it's been a really uh, complicated and beautiful one to be transparent, just from some of the things that I shared coming from an immigrant home, single parent in the projects. But I've always um, wanted to be happy. Like I was that child who like was always finding a way to make other people laugh in a tough moment um, out of a very large extended family, kind of everybody's favorite for the energy I would bring into the space. Uh, so throughout my life, all these like challenges intertwined in the experiences. <clears throat> and by the time I was about 17 years old, I was diagnosed with um, depression and anxiety acute. And that had just come from lots of things I experienced. I went to high school in Newton um, and graduated with about 70 kids, but there were only seven kids of color that graduated with me. And um, I was fortunate enough to have a scholarship, but it, so academically I could hang, but emotionally I was a mess in high school, right? So that has always been the catalyst of why I always reach back to young women of color is because I felt obligated, A, like to make up for some of the stuff I've done in the past, um, to, you know, 
to impart this wisdom from my own tough life experiences with young women and who look like me and I can relate to, but also because I'm now a mindfulness coach and I'm a meditation teacher. And that was the catalyst of my healing was tapping into self-care and really shifting the narrative around how women of color show up in this, in their experience. And a lot of it has to do with how we emotively express ourselves, what permission we were given and what spaces. Um, so to go back really quickly to my academic experience, though I was always told I was articulate and that's a word I can unpack at another time. Um, I at times was shut down a lot because the truth that I told was a really hard for people to hear in that space. Most of my peers, the level of privilege they experienced when I was coming from across town, bringing all my energy with me, it was really hard for the, the people in the space to understand me at first, but I have to give them kudos because they worked really hard to. So by the time I graduated, I went to college, I had mentors, I had a support system, I had guidance counselors wrap their arms around me in times where I was really impacted. So I knew I needed to get back into the education world in my life too. Like I had to just be in that space, giving that same energy. So uh, Sophia, Miss Williams, Lewis and I met five years ago. We were both violence interrupters and um, that I was a violence interrupter, she was a street worker. I was on a one year contract working under the city of Boston. And I don't, I think we uh, both always reflect on how much we used humor to get through deep sadness and craziness all the time. Like it might've seemed erratic, but I think more, we would have cried more than anything. So we found our um, the love we have for each other the respect and support that you see from us, it started in the streets. It started in Mission Hill um, after a young man was shot and they left Sophie and I down there to navigate that community. And we were like, okay, let's do it. And we've pretty much been inseparable since. So the inception of the book was her recognizing me going into mentor spaces, being an educator and like being stretched so thin. I created this pamphlet for girls who were not actually in my immediate space and I said, come into my room, process here, finish processing. And then at when, you know, when class ends and I have time, so I never had a break in between classes, right? Cause I'm like, let's unpack with you. So it started to resonate so much. Sophie was like, Sophia said, publish it. So don't take, don't let me take all the credit. She's like, turn this into a book. Um, and that was four years ago. And today we are a living, breathing text. Um, we were supported through the education emergence program out of Philadelphia to make sure that it was mindfully led. So this is a journal in the back of the book um, to allow young people to continue to process. But what my intention was to help young people kind of like just get in, in tune with themselves in a personal way to identify who the safe people are, all the things that got me to be like where I'm at today, I put into this text in a very like delicate laid out way in two developmental phases. So we have a six to 13 and then a 13 to 18 year old version of the book. Wow, um, that was, um, it's pretty heavy because it's, I worked at Mission Hill and I know what that's like as well. I almost feel like I know who that, what particular incident that was uh, at the time because I believe one of my students was involved at the time. Um, if this is the same one. So um, it's a little different in that sense. Um, you know, I think oftentimes there's so many young black men getting killed and shot that we don't, we tend to overlook how it affects the young ladies, right? And, um, and I think, you know, having advocates um, like you guys in the atmosphere and Sophie, <laughs> Sophie. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. You and Sophie is, is always great. Uh, is always great, great to have. Now, um, you know, writing a book like isn't easy, right? Like writing a book is is pretty hard. And I'm like, I always tell people I want to I want to write three books. It may never happen. But how did you get there? Like if like we have so many aspiring writers in our building, but the and this has been the theme, like, you know, like, what is the path to get there? Like, you you reaching out to people in Philly, like, why can't I go to Medford and find somebody to help me out? So what is the, what is the path for you to, to, one, become a writer? And and what are some of the challenges of writing a book? 
So one, I think content is really important, like being passionate about whatever you're writing on and being informed. So the writing process for me wasn't as difficult. I think like getting the content, the ideas off of my head was na natural. The most difficult part was identifying those pieces to take it from an idea off of my head um, into a piece of paper. So the reason why it took four years is because transparently, I'm not a, uh, like every, you need an, an editor. So right. we had to identify an editor um, and pay that editor to make sure that the text made sense, that all of the, you know, language was correct. And, and at that point we still had to go through another review process. So to bring it back to Philly, I was already working with that organization. I teach, I push in and teach classes for them online and go into their schools and the organizations. So that was my path. So what I strongly suggest is doing the research around who you work with, right? Because transparently speaking, like I told you before everybody else um, logged on, I I've now self-published because that situation was more beneficial to them than it was to me. And I have a point to make for my young people. I need them to know that like self-ownership, especially in this season is important. So the minute you can take ownership of something, it's gonna be harder to do, but it's gonna be worth it in the long run. Um, and I also, I'm blessed enough to have a lot of authors around me. Um, I have lots of friends around me who have published books. So lending, calling and asking for help. Like anytime I felt like I was confused about something, I had people like, I, I keep a good network of people around me to be transparent. That's a big part of my life is that everybody around me that I can point to, we can learn from each other. We can grow from each other. I can support them. They can support me. That's how I've chosen to, to cultivate my life. So a lot of my work has been research before I could touch or create anything, right? So A, getting your content right, knowing what you wanna write about, getting clear on the subject matter, making sure you're informed about it, even if it's a small book, that will give you um, opportunity to pull in and pull out things during your editing process to supplement things that might not be aligned with maybe the sub, like, the mainstream subject matter, right? Like I said, I'm doing a mindfulness journal. So how there were certain things I had to edit and change throughout the process to make sure that there were mindful tools actually being incorporated in the text. Um, in terms of self-publishing, the internet is our friend. Um, there are lots of ways that you can self-publish right now if that's the route you wanna go. The caveat to that is that you won't have mass distribution. So right now I said in walking away from this publisher, I'm not going to worry about Barnes and Nobles. I'm not going to worry about Amazon right now. This is a passion project for me, and I believe in it enough to believe that we'll sell enough copies and then we'll go from there. So to trust your process as well, um, to think that you're going to get anything done in a period of time is a setup, right? Like the universe is always throwing other things in anyway. So, you know, patience has been huge for me. Thank you. Um, yeah, I... Passion project, that's that's like real deep, right? Um, and I think when, when addressing our kids, it's important to to help them seek and find what 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 identifies as a passion project for them. I think that's what we all are, are trying to um, are trying to do. So let's get into the book, right? Without giving away, I don't want to say the ending, but you could tell us about the book. Um, mainly because, you know, tell us to the most, like, we know what inspired you to do the book, which is already incredible. That's the story in itself. But like, give us the rundown, even if you talk about a character. I find too many times people go, like, I watched Obama go on um, Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy Kimmel, like, told about the whole book. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> reading that. What are you doing? And he goes on every outlet, and they're telling him, giving away the whole book. So I did not buy his book. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to you because I'm buying your book. So yeah, tell us about your book. Excellent. So the first thing I want to um, highlight is that the girls on the cover of the book are real people. Um, so to bring it in closer, on the teen age version of the book, this is a young woman who went to the peer school in Brookline. She's like a little sister to us now. Her name is Anelsi. I was just texting with her earlier. She wants to do lunch with us soon. Um, she is literally the most incredible young woman. So she had a pretty, she, I asked her to be on the cover of the book because of the content of the book. This book is, like I said, a mindful tool. So a lot of the reasons why we um, react the way we do is because we're out of, a in, out of touch with our feelings and our emotions from time, moment to moment. This book is a guide 
to help young women start to pick up on the physical things that happen in their bodies, like the, like the sweating of the palms, the change of the face, the arms going up, all those things are a signal that your body and your energy is shifting. So we take you through kind of like a body scan kind of moment, and then we give you tools to, very tangible, accessible tools to shift your energy in that moment. Cause like on the outside of this author thing, I'm a healer in the community and I use sound healing vib vibration and meditation to help shift people's energy. The earlier we can teach young people these tools, the less damage they'll have to undo as they get older, right? Like in my mid thirties, unpacking stuff that happened at 15 is a lot of work. So if I can do, if I can get this into young people's hands early, they'll automatically build some self-awareness. Like, okay, so when I get mad, I start to shake or my hands start to, to get clammy. And then I know it's time to take that breath like the, or go to that person. So the book gives a really delicate ex explanation on how to br bring awareness to what's happening within the body. And then we have an opportunity to express it either through writing or we have very clear tools on how to safely advocate for yourself in that space. Because we know sometimes advocating to adults can turn into, depending on the space you're in, and this is not every space, but I've been in some spaces where it turns into a gossip fest and not a solution oriented space. So because of that, I really hate what I've witnessed in certain settings that I really felt obligated to give the young women tools to identify what is a safe outlet versus what is just the space you're in. Um, and to be transparent, and Elsie taught us that, right? Like just working with her, she was so in tune with who she was. She was so okay with the challenges that were coming up. And until she met Sophia, Sophia and I, she didn't really have the outlet to be like, for us to say, oh, this is a strength, not a weakness. The fact that you speak two different languages makes you smarter than the adult that just tried to shut that down. Sorry. Don't, don't accept that. You're too young, right? So yeah. That, that's what this book is really taking young people through. And like I said, there are two versions. So this, the version, the language in the younger version is much more simplified and it's more much more imaginative. So the tools I give them tap them more into their imagination than the body because they don't have as much body awareness yet. I'm deeply passionate about this mindfulness stuff. So <laughs> I was like, hey, hey. people as possible. So the health teachers on here, they're, they're probably, it's music to their ears, right? Um, um, Mr. Perkins, can I hop in? Okay. Um, so I had been a health teacher as well um, at Everett High School for the last like four years. I just transitioned into my um, counseling role, but I was hoping that you'd be able to speak more on like the importance of mindfulness, um, even if you'd be able to provide us with some, some skills that kids would actually be able to put in place um, to help them. Absolutely. Um, Mindfulness. Mindfulness has saved my life. Um, mindfulness is a, is a set of tools, right? So I always say first and foremost, the most beautiful thing about this practice is in this lifestyle is it honors who you are. <clears throat> Sorry, who you are and where you are in your journey. So I like to do a lot of trauma response work, like right when something's happened with the person to try to help them unpack in that moment. But when you incorporate mindfulness tools into your day-to-day -day life, what they do is they build like a capacity and a reserve for your mental emotional space, right? So the practice tools that I use very simply are breath techniques, body scan techniques, loving kindness, loving young people and loving kindness. Oh, there's a video that I can share with you all from when we did the conference in Brookline with about 100 girls in the room. And there were so many attitudes. There was so much going on in the room. And I pulled out my belt and we started loving kindness. And we literally felt it was like bringing tears to our eyes to see all of the girls shift their energy for a second when we gave them permission to just be kinder to themselves and other people versus falling into this peer pressure of being whatever was happening in the moment. And there were things happening in the moment, right? <laughs> so um, mindfulness gives our, our young people the permission to literally just show up as they are, but do it from a compassionate, realistic, aware space. And when you're incorporating these tools into the classroom every day, it could look like just 10 minutes of reflection before you even get into the subject matter, especially with some of the stuff that's been happening in the social justice space. 
anchoring with something inspiring and positive that is a clear antidote to what they just experienced on the news is not only compassionate and showing them that you care, but also saying, we're not gonna get stuck in the problem. We're gonna look for the solution today. Yeah, um, I 100% um, agree uh, with with you. And may, I, pro I feel like we as, as educate, educational um, carriers and district level folks have very little respect for the role that mindfulness could play in the advancement and outcomes of students. So I remember in my interview to get this job, God forbid, I'll be, hopefully I keep it after this, I always say that, but um, I was like, all right, I, when I, if I get hired here, like we just need to talk about like mindfulness and, um, response to trauma and like, but what to do, right? What to do when stuff happens. So like, when I hear you're talking about body scans, like I feel like when I, last summer, when I was like, I'm not an anxiety person at all, but I'm, but I'm also a, deep, a very deep thinker to a fault. So I credit body scanning. Uh, when I wake up every day, I still do it right now. Like, and I think people confuse like being present with the, the with the singular part of being present like in your the point of you doing this is not for you to be present around people is to be present in your your space your bubble and understanding that before you then go and take on the world and other people and all and all that stuff and I think people I people tend to treat this work like it's the uh, like it's the like it's the, the COVID virus. Like they're, they're just like, some people believe it. Some people don't think it works or, or, or it doesn't work. But I think I, I, I'm finding everyone involved to be very believable. I practiced it myself as well. So I definitely, um, I, de I definitely, I definitely respect that work, right? Uh, affirmation is another one um, that going through that whole process. So what was, so I know you learned from that student, right? I know, um, but who do you, who inspires you to, to, to do the work besides like who, like if I wanna like meet more people like you, um, besides our, our health teachers who are, who are great, who I need to sit down and I can't wait for, for them to come back so um, I can get to know them better. Um, but who else could Mr. McCarthy, who knows nothing, Google to or find to sort of, uh, besides you guys, obviously, but um, to, to really learn more and be more informed myself? <clears throat> so like I said, mindfulness is a toolbox, so it depends on what you're most interested in. So if we're right. going to talk, I'll give you the pillars. So from a mind space, the three teachers that I am obsessed with right now are Joe Dispenza. He is a mind um, he's a neuroscientist, so he gets into all of the effects of the electromagnetic field in the brain, all of how um, mirror synapsis works, and how we can cultivate new experiences through focus and envisioning things. So he's like key to me right now. Um, also, um, so Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, also, and he's more of a quantum physicist. So I know I'm talking high level. So that's why I said it depends on what you're into. But he oh, no, we, don't, we, 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 we there. We got you. Okay. <laughs> we got you. And if we don't got you, we going to find it. We got Google too. Because okay. <laughs> okay. neuroscience is changing. It's starting to change. Like neuroscience is, is, is becoming bigger, bigger than anything else right now. Um, especially in young children with the understanding that the brain is the discovering the discovery that the brain is like super plastic. Right. And you could actually, at a certain age, uh, before they get to like 20 or something like that, like that you um, kids who are experiencing a lot of trauma actually have old brains, right? But if the, with the with neuroplasticity and um, understanding of how neurons and uh, neurons are fired, you're able to reverse that, trigger the amygdala, and calm it down a little bit, so the prefrontal cortex could actually start doing the job for the for the kids. But getting Normal folks to understand that be, to be a real thing is, is pretty difficult. So as you move forward 
with the message, with this sort of message, and you have uh, Sophie with you, um, you know, like, how do you plan? What are your plans? What do you want this book to do for people? For schools, your community, what do you want it to do for my son, 17, you know? So one, I want to track back really quickly because it's going to lead into this. So the third teacher that I would really suggest that people look into to um, wrap into all of this is, um, I said, Jonah Spencer, Bruce Lipton, and then the emotional body teacher. Oh my goodness, it just flipped my brain that quickly. Is oh, this Nadine Burke-Harris. Burke yes. Sorry. Okay. Nadine I was going to go with Zadina, but is that Burke-Harris is good too. Yes. Nadine Burke-Harris and she and Dan Siegel, because they talk all about what you're talking about, which is the way that the brain functions and how trauma impacts the brain specifically. So what you, that is the goal, is that I actually lecture a lot on that piece, is the way that fight or flight impacts the brain. We talk about the three parts. We use the hand as a model. This is your amygdala, right? The middle part of your brain. It's the oldest part that you can find in the human brain. So it's your prehistoric brain. Then you have your limbic nerve. The limbic nerve lives on top of it and creates all of the emotion. It creates all the connection to the emotion. And then the third part is the prefrontal cortex. So if we just do that again, it's one, two, three is the process. So if we are finding that we are feeling triggered in any way, shape, or form. And these days we're triggered in a lot of different ways. We have to start to identify what's happening in the emotional body so then we can build some context around how to deal with it. And that is exactly what this book does, mm. right? It takes you from amygdala into, pre, into emotional space into prefrontal cortex. That was the whole purpose of this book. Mm. Wow. Um, where you think that we rehearsed this because we have the good segues work <laughs> happening, right? Um, a quick question from the crew is, what's the best way to purchase your book? So right now, um, I have copies here that I, Miss William Lewis could get tonight or tomorrow, whenever she needed to for you all specifically. Next mm -hmm. week, Saturday, the online sales will happen. We waiting for that. <laughs> okay. So I am very like hands on and like I was explaining to Mr. McCarthy, I had a kind of terrible deal with the publisher. So I took a step back and decided to print and pub and distribute my own books. Um, and now I'm just waiting for the web designer to hit launch. So we would have been launched a month ago, but then I would have made 50 cents a book. Right. Full transparency during right. Black History Month. As that my been, first that's the equivalent of a, of a rapper's first deal. No, that's not happening. <laughs> that's, not, that's not happening at all. Um, you know what though? It actually helps your story, right? Um, publisher was was trying to get me, even though I'm, I'm I'm trying to put some some goodness in the atmosphere, and they don't want to, and they're trying to scare me in the process. So, and then you just say, you know what? I'm gonna just do it on my own, and I love that. And I so when you find out the website, when you find out um, what what the next move is for all, for online purchases, um, you definitely let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll get that in the atmosphere uh, for sure and make sure we promote, promote the hell out of your book. Um, but the next question that I, that I do want to ask is how are you, what is going to, going to be, and this is an exclusive, so in case anybody five years from now um, hears this, they know that Mr. McCarthy asked this question. What is your next book, what is your next book going to be about? If it's up to you, your perfect world, what would be your next book? Yeah, I got all the questions, girl. So what is your next book about to be about? Gonna be about? So the next book is written. The next book is for boys. It's the same content, but for, you know, I'm, I'm a developmentally appropriate buff. So I mean, gender specific buff. I think young people show up differently in exclusive spaces when they're able to just be amongst their um, peers that they identify with from a sex space, um, sexuality space. So I'm going to make this book for boys um I, I the book is written but like once again I've learned a lot of things in this first process so I'm not going to say it will be out x amount of time because I just got these books in my hand but it's written so once my website goes up then we'll talk to my illustrator about <laughs> some more work but you know transparently speaking Sophie Miss Williams Lewis is the closest thing I have to a business partner I do everything very independently from like I'm lecturing at Simmons tonight and doing a sound bath for them. I do stuff with the mayor's office. All of this is independent um, right now. I, I know that I'll have a team and support very soon. I trust the universe for that, but 
I tried to live on a universal timeline versus like a calendar one to keep myself sane. Wow. Yeah, and, and you can hear it, right? Like, um, I always tell people that we just want people just sometimes want to be believed and you're, in, you're great at like being convincing, right? Like I think, and it's genuine, it's super organic and authentic and very, you know, genuine. So I, I do appreciate that part as well because I feel like I'm in therapy as well. I feel like the beauty of, um, of this sort of like um, transition, the transitions that people make, there's beauty within all of them, right? Even people who change careers. Like this, it's just something to it. It's a level of resilience that's insane and, um, and, 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 and crazy to me. So I, this is a question for you and, um, and Sophie. You ready, Sophie? <laughs> Always. Okay. Um, so talk about your girls group. I'm, now, here's the thing. I didn't know if you were if you're the other person doing the, the, the girls group, but I assume with the vibe <laughs> I'm getting, it, you're the other person. <laughs> <laughs> am I wrong or am I right? You hit it on the money. Um All right. All like, right. Like, I said, like we are each other's um, because we consider each other soulmates, honestly, like we always said, are we soulmates? And I a hundred percent agree. Like we are soulmates. We found each other, um, in the right time in our lives. Honestly, I think if we had, we met any sooner, I'm not sure if we would still be here today. We've been both been through a lot in our teenage years, but yes, this is the part two of the girls group, <laughs> the other half. Wow. Wow. That's, that's great. And what is, what is the intention of that group though? So Girls Spring Forward um, has evolved. When we first started, it was um, just, we were bumping into community centers with mm -hmm. food and snacks and just having self-esteem empowerment classes. And then it evolved into a one week girls camp during April break where we were able to um, work with middle school young women and some high school young women. And we strategically placed the high school young women as peer leaders. And we went through five days of social media training, dance, hip hop, dancing, basketball. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a skills and drills basketball person come in, fitness in a gym, healthy eating with a, and everybody is representation. So everybody is a woman of color who comes in and speaks to the women or a woman from the community. Somebody who can identify with the young women works closely with them. And then we always end with a panel discussion and we bring in a mental health expert, an entrepreneur, um, a person who's working in like some social justice arena and an educator into the space. And it, it's been magical. Uh, we're really wondering if we have the space to do it this summer because I'm getting pulled to do other things in other states. But if we do, we'd love to do it. So mm -hmm. we're talking in the talks of bringing it back now that COVID is leaving. I, 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 know, I know where there's space, but okay. I know where there's some space. Cool, cool, okay. If y'all got a space lined up, just let me know. We, we could be a little secondary spot. Um, so we, you know, I I can't stop thinking about like um, the bond that you guys have and then like how it like informs the book, right? And it, it really makes me more excited um, to read the book uh, and, and sort of like, try to use some of those tools. Um, and, you know, I think when people write, people don't understand that it's a, it's a lot of sharing that's happening, right? You're, re you're really sharing, right? You're, like you're not charging people for the book, you're charging for the people, you're charging to, for, for the production of the book, right? And, um, and that's admirable for sure, 100% uh, in that respect. So if you are, if this book is for, young, um, young black girls, um, I want you to touch on the, in you're now in a different industry when you're talking about writing books and, and being an author. Uh, I want you to sort of talk about overall the, because in our community, the black community, people think that it's either black or whatever. There's a lot of like shade, shade around uh, skin tone and complexion. And you guys have such, are oozing with so much confidence. What could we, what could a, a not just a black girl, but a, a, a darker skinned um, black girl do to boost her confidence? 
because oftentimes I am, oftentimes they are left to be validated by other people, which is weak, right? I hate it. I hate even having that conversation. I ain't even, I don't even know how to talk about it, but you know, you're shaking your head because you know what I'm talking about. And I just want to hear from you because I want to be more qualified to have those conversations with them. So I think it's a historical context piece. Um, I'm West Indian. And Sophia was oh in a very Caribbean um, influence household. So my mother didn't experience racism like a lot of my peers did. I was never, I didn't have that same challenge of, well, she did when she came here, obviously, but her upbringing, when like her self-identity was developed, I, you know, they, we were told we were beautiful from inception. That was just how I was raised. I've never been, I've never received another message to be fully transparent. And it wasn't about my looks. I was told very early, I don't care how cute you are. You have an attitude, people are going to think you're ugly. That was something that my mother always said to me, like a very pretty face with a bad attitude can change your whole countenance very quickly. So I would say to any brown skin girl that if you want to feel more beautiful, you need to understand that your beauty is internal. It is how you treat yourself. It is how you treat the people around you. It is how you speak to yourself. It's going back to those affirmations, right? Like understanding that, first of all, we're suffering from a Europeanized idealism of, my, of, of um, beauty. So the scale in which, when I say that, like if you think about the people who told us what's beautiful in the media, that's told us what's beautiful in texts and books that we read, those people don't look like us. They don't identify um, as we do. And whether they're well-meaning or not, it's their perspective that's being pushed onto us, right? Because I don't always want it to be like a, they're bad, we're a good thing. This is the reality of where we are in this country, in this world, right? Colorism also exists within our community because we don't spend enough time really just embracing what's really beautiful about us, the kinks and curls in our hair. Like, you know, I'm wearing straight hair today, but Sophie, Miss Williams will tell you, I didn't wear my hair straight for two years because of the impact it was having on my girls. I would walk into spaces and all of a sudden the young women, regardless of complexion, were putting in fake eyelashes and wearing weaves to the, and I'm like, whoa, like that is not why I do this. So it had to make me in my mid thirties ask myself, what is beauty once again, right? So I think it's really about having a conversation about the context in which beauty has even been like where it came from, why we put ourselves in these boxes that gives young women the identity, the opportunity to look at themselves differently, right? We can go back to Sarah Bartman, right? And talk about, you know, Venus Hottentot and like the things that happened to women of color before we could even, we even had a say so in how our bodies were treated in this country, in this world. So it's a very deep rooted thing that I think takes work, you know? And I think, and that's, you put it brilliantly. I actually think that it requires some support and help. I think, I I can't tell you the amount of fights I've got, fist fights I've gotten into because of the one line to some friends of female friends of mine when people say, you're pretty for a dark skinned girl. And for anyone to like not defend that. So my fight wasn't with, with the girl who said it to my friend, my fight was with the dude who uh, who allowed the dudes who allowed it to happen to say it and not have a reaction. So I I truly um, appreciate how you articulated that because I I believe that it is very necessary. Just like on the opposite side, right? Uh, only opposite in on the opposite side is just like when we're working. With, um, with white folks, right? We can't, we're not gonna, there's nothing to gain from disavowing people who are willing to work on their process. You, there's the folks like that don't want to, and those are the ones you don't really gotta address. But if I, I, learned, I learned a while ago that I just gotta stop trying to force it on white on, on people and just try to bring people along, um, and that is the more powerful experience. And we have to do the same thing. Um, so your um, your your response is is absolutely outstanding. And um, once again, and this is not a brag. It was so disappointing. So back in the day, my brother used to throw parties in the city. He's now down south, 
and they had a party with Trey Songs, who's like a really popular R&B artist. I was in love, like loved him as a young person, like Trey Songs. I know, so where brother, going, I know where you're going right now. Go ahead. My <laughs> brother brings me backstage so I can meet him and say hi. And he looked me in my face and he said those very words. You are, you're pretty for a brown skin girl. And I said, like, I think my face said enough that he was probably like, whatever. So then flash forward to Kiki Palmer, who's a Disney actress and phenomenal actress. She comes out and she speaks to how he treated her and some of the things he said. And everybody was so confused about whether it was true. And I was sitting here in my little simple life, like, nope, it's true. <laughs> like, yep, yep. these are the things we deal with. And it doesn't matter. It happens all of the time, whether people are revered as respectful, informed, popular, it exists in the culture for sure. Right. And then and if you look at like when we're talking about these stories, which is it was harmful, hurtful, right? This is somebody you're like, you know, you're giddy about. And then like, it's just like, you know, the little kid that doesn't get the autograph, you know, but like, it's obviously more extreme. So these are the kind of burdens that some people will never have to go through, you know, that sort of rejection, you know, and then how do you respond? Like boys go through it, boys go through it, um, you know, and that's another story. Um, but I, I definitely, it's definitely there and it, and it, and it truly is rooted in, in some self-hate and that's from a lack of what your book and your vision um, is offering. And that's what I guess we are all able to, um, able that we, we all truly have to work on. Now, before we wrap up, um, I want the, okay, so Jones isn't here. So Ms. Bokie, if you keep, if, because you guys are sort of, there's this alignment with like, and you know, Ms. Ms. Walls used to do used to be a, a health teacher also. Talk about the calm, is it the calm room? What do what you, talk about that shit. We're gonna, we, we, gotta, we gotta give you something, right? Uh, uh, Ms. I'm gonna ask Ms. Wilkie to talk about our, what is the official term? Uh, it's the calming room. Miss Jones created it. Yes. Um, and I think she, she might've borrowed it from another high school. But no, she, we don't worry about the other high school. We do it. Yeah, that. we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> she made she made it happen though, and she added her own stuff. And um, that's one resource that we have. It just has some videos, basically for like um, visual calming sound. Um, then there are like some nice like diversions, like watch the nature stuff. So that's something that I've referred students to. Uh, for sure. So if that's what if that's what you're talking about, Mr. McCarthy. Yes. Yes. Um, they, the, your, your coworkers did a presentation and, on it, and it, it was I was blown away. I think it just goes back to us not we having to do a better job really promoting and helping people understand mindfulness and MBSR, um, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Yeah, I think we just got to do it in our classes more. Miss and Miss Walls, I'm a brand new health and wellness teacher, but Miss Walls has four years. Of, she has way more experience than I do. But you know, maybe Miss Walls, you you can, or I would love to hear um, Miss Judy's you know thoughts on you know getting students. Uh, you know, when I do these exercises in class with them, it's especially virtually, it's really hard to know if I'm doing it effectively. If like. I hope I'm just like planting seeds, but anyway. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So what are what were some of your uh, Miss Walls? Miss Walls don't even like when I put her on the spot, but I'd be putting her on the spot. What were some of your most effective practices um, in doing that work, Walls? Um, well, for me, I definitely didn't have the challenge of COVID, so I had my kids in person. Um, but what I would do typically at least um, like three days a week, so it'd be every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I would spend the first like 10, 15 minutes just doing either mindful meditation, like just calming, deep breathing. I'd allow the kids, like I'd play like nature sounds like in the background or like I liked ocean waves. Um, some of my kids didn't like it, so we'd switch it up every now and then, but I'd usually spend about 10, 15 minutes um, before the class began doing that. Um, but then I also had, a segment, and I know we have a segment also like in the health curriculum where we just teach stress management techniques in general. Um, so I would really focus about like a week and a half of classes just on deep breathing. We did progressive muscle relaxation. So there were videos that we would watch um, and it would kind of walk you through it. Um, we did yoga a little bit, um, but 
I think the biggest thing for me was really just focusing on connecting like the mind with the breath and understanding that when your body's reacting to things, you have the ability to kind of diffuse those feelings, diffuse those reactions by deep breathing. Um, so that was like the biggest thing for me. And my kids loved like having like 10, 15 minutes in general, just to like debrief and just relax um, before I kind of started like hitting them with the curriculum. Um, but I also think health class is really fun. So everyone likes coming to our class. So we don't have that as an issue, but those 10, 15 minutes of just relaxation, breathing, even just putting your head down, giving kids a chance to kind of like not have to worry about the stressors of the day or stressors in front of them was really helpful. Um, and it got my kids super into like class because they were so relaxed and calm, especially if I had a super like rambunctious group of kids, spending those 10, 15 minutes really helped like regulate them. And it worked well for me. Wow. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that, Miss Miss Wallace. Walls, that was smooth. No, <laughs> had some experience with it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in closing, Miss Judy, I always do this, and people tell you, get on your soapbox. Tell us, tell us something that you enjoyed about this process, or you could just promote the heck out of your book uh, right now, because, we, like I said, this is going podcast, video is going to go. Like we're we're pushing you. Uh, one thing I will say uh, in my gratitude to you and everyone on here is that I feel like I'm going to really, really, you know that if anybody watches This Is Us and you know the, mo the most relatable moment in This Is Us when the music comes and you're sort of like emo for no reason. Like, yes, that's the part. And that's that's how you guys got me feeling right now. I, and you, you, you feel me, right? So like, um, give her your soapbox and, um, and, and, and let us know. Go ahead. Can I jump in really quick too? So I actually, I Googled you and I, I pulled up your website as well. Hope that's like not weird. Um, <laughs> but I saw, yeah, I Googled it earlier. But a part of um, one of your um, programs that you offer is like youth, um, like a youth camp. And I'm wondering like maybe if in the future, I think that'd be something really cool that if you were available, like incorporating that either like with our club, the EYBE club, or even like if we did like professional development or just something like that to kind of like get people on the same page. Um, I'm not sure if you're interested or if you're like, if you do things like that, but I think everything that you're teaching would be great to um, share with all of our, like all of our colleagues for everyone to like get on the um, same page. Absolutely absolutely would be more than happy to you know build community and share the tools that I know will be work um so before I get on my soapbox in the mindfulness community we lend information so I also would like you all to look into the holistic life foundation to see the impact that they've had in Baltimore with incorporating mindfulness and substitute and substitution for detention for their young people and they all these statistics that you can lean on and see if you need to share with other people Baltimore has them in 50 schools across the district. Um, and what I'll say is I'm working steadily to create many things. So I just finished a mixtape, a meditation mixtape that will be available on iTunes and Spotify by the end of the month of March so that people will have a whole hour of guided meditation that they can play in any space. I incorporated the sound healing tools into it so that it really helps people drop in. So all of these things Ms. Williams will have links to in the next three weeks and you all will have them sent to you all um, as a community. Feel free Ms. Walt to get my contact and talk to me about when you'd like us to come together and I'm happy to do that. Uh, in terms of the book, the book will live on the, the landing page, the website letsconnect.org. It's already purchased and so forth. We're just gonna launch it. So that will be the space that it lives in. And that will also be a space where I'm collaboratively working with a younger cousin in Baltimore. She sells all vegan skin products. She sells all, like just things to tap into the senses and help us as like come down um, in different ways. And my YouTube page also is being built up so that, you know, no matter where I'm at, there'll be some way to hit play and have some access to what I know. I'll also be featured. So this has been like head down. Thanks so much, Miss Williams, for pulling me, Miss for pulling me out of the head down. Because transparently, since December, I've been just creating crazily so that the spring we had things to offer. So that I'll also be on the presence app as a featured uh, meditation teacher by the end of the month as well, too. So I promise you guys will get a newsletter. So it will just be lots of things you can hit um, and link to. 
the business is nine months in. So I'm in a very organic space. I worked actually um, as a, in a nonprofit in Dorchester. And then when the pandemic hit, I was let go with the severance, which was, doesn't happen often. That was a universal sign that it was time to put the foot, um, the pedal to the metal. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say follow me on Instagram if you, and that is um, at NYE underscore J-E-U. And going there, you'll get like a good idea of where I'm hosting and what I'm doing. But because I'm still such a baby, you know, things come out pretty organically right now. So I just want to thank you all for creating space for a woman of color like myself. I'm homegrown. Um, I am deeply passionate about the community, the whole, like as much as I want to leave Massachusetts sometimes, I know that this is where I'm supposed to be right now. <laughs> um, I always dream about the sun and having my feet in the sand every day. <laughs> so right. Ms. Wallace, that's, the ocean sounds is my go-to too. <laughs> the the fire um, crackling is mine. Well, I'm going to, when's your birthday? I, well, I'll ask you about it. That might have something to do with your Zodiac sign. If, the, if, if it connects, that's wild. Because I'm not a Zodiac person. But if it does, I'll be a lot more convinced. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we'll talk about that another time. But yes, yeah, so the elements, the air, nature, all of those things contribute. So if you can get your young people outdoors when they get back in the building and have a class outside, like that is going to deescalate everybody really quickly, you know, the earth has its own natural healing power, but I'm a phone call away. If you all see, you know, want me to expound on anything or share more of anything, please just let me know. And I'd be happy to come back and work with the community. So you folks in every, in every community who will be watching this or listening to this, um, we will make sure that we, she's not coming unless we pay her and we're going to pay her. Right. So like not everything's free. Okay. So like we, let's just let me put that in the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, once again, thank you so much, Miss Judy. Um, if you find your long lost cousin Len, tell him uh, Mr. McCarthy says hello, because uh, I know y'all related. Um, so I, I appreciate you 150%. I feel like I, I gained an, an extra spirit today. Um, and that's, that's been happening a lot, like in this past month, so in a really, really meaningful, impactful, and, um, and, and a super uh, authentic way. So um, Walls and then uh, Williams Lewis, you close us out. Um, I just wanna say thank you so much. Um, I feel like anytime we're talking about mindfulness, anything about um, this topic really like hits home for me big time. Um, I'm really excited for you to be able to work with our students in the future. Hopefully we can make that happen. So I'll definitely be in touch with you soon, but I really appreciate this. Um, and I'm excited also for your book launching. Um, can we make sure that we get um, the email as well with the link for it? So that way we can also push it forward um, like in the community to make sure we get people um, buying that up for you. But I really appreciate you coming today. Thank you so much. Um, go ahead, Ms. Williams. Um, I just want to say thank you as well. I don't know of another word to say besides um, thank you. Nayel is always so generous with everything that she's learning. She's a given person, no matter what it is. Um, that's one reason why I love her. Another reason why I'd be like, stop. <laughs> but once again, Nayel, thank you so much. And thank you, EYBE, for having her as well. All right. With that being said, um, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, I look forward to the next event.